You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God chose us. He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. May the Lord help us with wisdom and understanding as we dig deeper in this this morning. You may be seated. Man, thank you guys so much for being here. Stepping on something behind me there. Um, I've got several first-timers here today, so we're so thankful to have you because we have almost all of our regulars just not here today, so that's cool. Except for the band. These guys are consistent and on time. And uh, Chris running the, the stuff up here, the, the, the video and all that, he's very much consistent as well. So thank you guys for joining us today. Um, as we get started, I got seen this movie, and the guy just says... And you guys will know the movie as soon as I say it. But he says, like, I'm a, you know, I hate to say this, but I'm a pretty big deal, right? Ron Burgundy. He's like, I'm a pretty big deal. Like, this is, uh, a lot of us may think it's, like, narcissists who are the problem. Like, the, like narcissists. That's what, pr- the, the monster inside that we have. And most of us think, well, it's those people who, do, who are just narcissists. Now, a narcissist is, is a big word, and we probably hear it and throw it around. Well, it means it's a disorder, actually, of a person who has a, like a super inflated self of importance, like in the movie, Ron Burgundy, he got a super inflated uh, sense of his own self importance. So often it's described as like in love with yourself. And if you've ever read some of the Greek mythology, there's this this character Narcissus, who this where this all comes from, who kind of looks at his own reflection and just can't look away. He looks in this pond and sees his reflection and just he cannot look away from himself. So, but the truth is, most of us are more prone to be dealing with insecurity than with narcissism. I mean, that's just the reality, that most of us are prone to deal with insecurity when we look in the mirror than just looking in the mirror and just like, I just can't look away. So which leads us to this feeling like we're just insecure about ourselves. What are some things that lead us to feel insecure about ourselves? You guys, talk to me real quick. Just what are some things that, you don't have to speak to personally, but what are some things that cause people to feel insecure about themselves? That's like the, the big one right there. Comparing yourself or your situation to somebody else's. Absolutely. What, 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 what else might lead to insecurities? Wealth. Yeah, wealth and uh, social media. Yeah. So we have wealth and social media. A lot of it comes back to comparison too, right? We, what we see on social media or what we see of other people with wealth. Yeah, anything else? Any other things that might lead us to feeling insecure? Others' opinions? Others' opinions, yeah, absolutely. Not meeting your goals. 
okay? Set some goals and not meeting them, then we can get insecure. Like, that's why people quit making New Year's resolutions. I don't know anybody that makes New Year's resolutions. I set goals and I have, I make, I resolve to reach those goals. That's a resolution for me. I would resolve to make those goals. But very few people anymore make New Year's resolutions. Why? Because they've made them before, right? So they're insecure. You get insecure when you make goals, set goals, and fail to reach them. You can, it can happen. Anything else before we move on? Because this is kind of laying a foundation for where we're kind of going this morning. All right, well, today we're kind of actually wrapping up a series we've been in all month long. We've, we just called it Monster Inside, kind of coincides with October, Halloween, and all that. And we've just been dealing with a lot of things that come from within. And so, because sometimes it feels like we have this monster inside. It's just never satisfied. It comes to, we're talking about relationships. We talked one week about money. We just talked about just ego the very first week. And it just seems like there's this monster inside that's never satisfied. And today we're going to talk about that monster in the mirror that many of us see. And it's not an overinflated ego, but it's insecurity. And so we're going to dig deeper into Ephesians 1, uh, which is what I read this morning. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, we're going to dig a little deeper into that and some other scriptures as well. And here's the big idea. To be more secure in who you are, think about yourself less and who you are in Christ more. To be more secure in who you are, think about yourself less and who you are in Christ more. So we're going to build on that just because that's, you know, we want to understand what that means. The first thing that I think about when I think about this is that insecurity, it really feeds unhealthy obsession. Insecurity feeds unhealthy obsession. Uh, man, when I was young, okay, I was say, I was not going to tell you about like my first girlfriends, but really my first girlfriend was in kindergarten. And that's, you don't really have a girl, girlfriend in kindergarten, but I remember Tina Reeves from kindergarten. That's been a minute for me, y'all. I'm quite a bit old. I'm like double y'all's age. So I'm like, you know, I remember Tina Reeves from kindergarten in the little black go-go boots she wore. Never, I mean, kindergartners don't wear go-go boots, but, you know, that's what I thought they were. I know what else to call them. And, you know, so, so I still remember that. But I'm thinking, like, when I'm 15, 16, when I start really actually having, like, real girlfriends and stuff. Don't laugh, bro. My fourth, in fourth grade, my girlfriend was in sixth grade. Just saying. But, but when I was like 15 or 16, we started having really like relationships, like girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff like that. The first couple ones I had and then just really broke my heart. I mean, I just really, like, because I fell in love fast. I kind of get that thing where I'm just like, oh, I just, just go for it. You know, and then like I became really insecure. By the time I was 17, 18, 19, I was like 20 and secure. And um, that led to this obsession with self. My looks, my rep. My, I mean, I just, you know, I, you read my high school yearbook, and it looks like, man, Pastor Steve, you were a player. All these people, they're writing all this stuff about, you know, you know Sex Machine and Wild Man and all this. I'm like, yeah, I had them all fooled. I mean, because I was so insecure. I was so insecure. So I just, like, I dressed a certain way. I carried myself a certain way. I was obsessed with my looks and my reputation. And you could see that if you look at those yearbooks. But the thing was, I wasn't a big-time player at all. I was super insecure, so much so that I never really asked anybody on dates. I would, like, go out with friends, and there would be a girl I liked in the group of friends, and I would kind of sometimes find a way to be more with that girl than with everybody. But it was never, like, just take her, I take you out on a date. Until a little bit later, I met this young lady named Shelly, who I'm now married to, when I was uh, 20. I met her when I was 20. And it, like, changed everything. But I was really insecure up to that point. And, but the point is, I was obsessed with 
you know, my looks and, and my personality and stuff. So what, what are areas of life are people insecure? And we kind of talked about some of those things a little bit. Uh, and so the really question is, and nobody needs to answer this out loud, but just for us to think about this morning, what, what maybe are you insecure about yourself this morning? Because here's the thing, and some psychologists are pointing to this. This is the worse you feel about yourself, the more obsessed you become with who you are. I mean, that's like some psychology stuff. Like, this is what they're saying now. The, the worse you tend to feel about yourself, it's like you become more obsessed with who you are. So when, when kids, when we're kids, we learn that there's always somebody better. There's always somebody bigger. There's always somebody faster, prettier, smarter, stronger, all that than you. I mean, there just is. That's just the reality of life. But when we're kids, we don't quite understand that. Why can't I be the best? Why can't I be the fastest? Why can't I be the biggest? Why can't I? And so we come to this place where everybody gets the same trophy, everybody gets the same award, and it's like, no, but, but, but we understand something. But they're better than me. And so it's kind of messing with our, 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 our obsession about how we see ourselves because we feel insecure because we could compare in ourselves, like we said a few minutes ago. So today, things like Instagram, Pinterest even, um, HGTV, we can look at stuff that's going on on there, and we can just com complicate things more and more and more. I have friends who have just been waiting for this weekend because they're lining up what the Hallmark movie schedule is going to be. And they're going to compare their relationships to the Hallmark movie, Christmas movies that are coming out, and they're going to start feeling insecure. It's just what's happening because we have this stuff that's bombarding us 24-7 and we begin to feel worse about ourselves and we'll often go to great lengths to make ourselves look better than they are. And this isn't a new phenomenon. We're like, oh yeah, well, Instagram, we got filters and all that. We just want to make, you know, try to make it look better than we are. Some of us don't need Instagram. I've seen from uh, the last week when, when there was the uh, uh, homecoming, I saw those pictures. Man, you guys look sharp at the homecoming. You didn't need no filters, right, Caleb? I'm just saying, he, he's a walking filter. I'm like, man, look sharp on those pictures. But we, but we, but it's not a new thing because plastic surgery. That was that was filters before there was filters. And I've known people who were just like, you know, in their 70s and 80s, getting eye tucks and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, why do you need to do that? And if it makes you feel good, go ahead, do it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like hate on you for it. But at the same time. Where's, where's it coming from? Is it from a place of insecurity in who you are? Because the culture really offers us two options, and those two options are this. You can think more of yourself as you compare yourselves to others. You can think more of yourself. I'm all that. Or you can think less of yourself and never measure up. Neither one of those do really anything for your self-esteem, especially when it comes to those deep insecurities that we feel. So Jesus offers us a different option. It's not one that the culture offers at all. It's called humility. He is a, he, the option of humility is this. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That makes sense? It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less about yourself. Like, not thinking about me all the time. It's not putting yourself down or saying, no, I'm just, I'm scum. I used to have a friend. He was like, he thought he was being really humble because it's, man, I'm just a scum of the earth. Like, dude, you don't have to put yourself down. <laughs> Just don't think about you all the time. Think about others. That's what humility is. And Jesus offers us that option to be more secure in who you are. Think about yourself less and who you are in Christ more. Focus on who Jesus is, not who you aren't. Because that's where it comes to a lot of times, right? We, we focus on who we are and then a lot of times on who we are not. But maybe if we shifted that focus and had more focus on who Jesus is, it might make a difference. Because we could look in a mirror and I brought this mirror 
And I said, I asked my wife, I said, do we have like a little small mirror I can bring? Because I don't want to like take a big mirror off the wall. I wouldn't appear. And she's like, oh yeah, I got this one I'm never going to use because it's purple and looks like a tiger. I'm like, why are you hating? Why are you hating, girl? She didn't get it. It's like tiger thing. You know? But I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm just, ah. People must really hate me. And he was looking in the mirror and that. And then we start seeing all these messages that we really buy into. Just manifest whatever you want and it'll, it'll be just like ma- magic. Like all of a sudden, we've been using manifest as this word in the church forever to mean like God shows up and does something. It makes it manifest, makes it happen. And now the culture is taking this and it's like, it's just like it's magic. Manifest it and it'll be there. Like, oh, I want to manifest. I'm, I'm good enough and I'm, I, I'm just great. People like me, doggone it. Liar. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, right? We'll like go back and forth with that kind of stuff, looking in the mirror. So why do we get so focused on who or what that we are not? We do. And again, back to comparison. We keep comparing ourselves to others, what other people have, other people's social media, other people's wealth, other people's relationships, other people's whatever. So this letter we read this morning, Ephesians, it's from Paul. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, if you don't know the backstory, this is important. Because he's, he was this, this Jewish religious leader in a group, uh, kind of a, a denomination called the Pharisees. And they were all about the Old Testament, like the, the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of what we call the Old Testament, the law. And they were all about that, about how do you live it? How do you make it work? And they started making laws to help you follow the laws. I mean, that's how deep this was for the Pharisees. And so this was their, their group, and he was one of the leaders of this. And then when Jesus had come along, there was the crucifixion, and then there was the resurrection, and people weren't believing the resurrection. And Paul, was, his name was actually Saul at the time. And he was like, I'm going to put it, help put an end to this, like this new cult that's starting up. And these people that are following this Jesus, saying he is the Messiah, and that he's resurrected. So he, he actually got letters of permission from the government that he could go out and arrest Christians, taking whatever force possible, even if it meant killing them. There's even a story in Acts where they stoned a guy that I'm named after, Stephen. They stoned him to death, and Paul was one of the ringleaders there, holding everybody's coats. And while he's, you know, here he is, stoned him to death. And he got, went to go collect all these other followers of Jesus who were claiming that the resurrection happened. And when he did, he's on this road to this place called Damascus. And he's got this, these guards with him, like Roman soldier guards with him. And he's on his way, and it says he's blinded by this bright light. And this voice shouts out and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like blinded, knocked off his donkey, and he's down on the ground. And he's like, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you've been persecuting. And he, that he, he, Paul has a transformation. He has a, a, he has a real come to Jesus moment. You know, you know, you know that come to Jesus moment? He has one right there. And then he becomes like this guy who goes out telling people, not just this story, but he goes and studies the scriptures for himself. And he understands Jesus was the prophesied Messiah. And he begins teaching this in the synagogues. So when he says... Here, you know, I am uh, by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been chosen. You would think of anybody would would look at the had that monster in the mirror like Paul and look in the mirror and go, I don't have any business telling anybody about Jesus because I've been on the other side of this. I've been persecuting. I've been arresting people. I even got this one guy stoned to death because of this. 
I'm the last person God would choose. And yet God chooses him. God chooses him. And he chooses you and me as well. He says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is the, obviously the city and the region that he's writing to, uh, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. He says, holy people, God's holy people, holy people. Now, we hear that, and we're like, well, that doesn't apply to us, holy people. But it does. It does. It, it's because we're prone to misunderstand what, what holy is. It doesn't mean perfect. In the New Testament, when we read all through the New Testament, which is originally written in Greek, when you go back and find the word holy and you translate it, it means set apart. Holy means set apart. He's like, I've been set apart. You've been set apart. Set apart to God, for God, by Jesus Christ. God chooses us and sets us apart as his own. And it's our insecurity that keeps us from having faith that God could love us, God could choose us, and we could be holy. You think, oh, I couldn't be holy. You can. God chose you and set you apart, making you holy. And God says, in your insecurity, I'm giving you something you can't get anywhere else. Grace and peace. Paul says that when, when you read these letters, and it's written by this guy, Paul, almost all of them have, right at the beginning, grace and peace to you. Your faith isn't about what you can do for God. It's about what God does for us. That's what our faith is. It's not about what we can do for God. It's about what God does for us. And the monster in the mirror says, you don't measure up. And God loves you and accepts you anyway. That's how awesome his love is. Verse 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This doesn't depend on you. That's pretty good news. It doesn't depend on you. We, we are not the basis of our own security. We are not the basis for our own self-worth. The basis for our security is this. God loves us more than we can imagine. That's where I base my security on now. That's how I deal with the insecurities now. Instead of comparing myself to others, I just look, hey man, God loves me just like he loves you and Paul. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God wants to do this. He wanted to do this, and not out of duty or out of pity. It's like God's not taking pity on us, or it's not because, well, he's God. It's just what God does. It says it brings him great pleasure. This is so good. This brings God great pleasure to choose you and me. So don't focus on who you are or who you aren't. Focus on who Jesus is. Because God changes your story. God changes your story. Look at this story that's been changed. I'm going to go over to Ephesians chapter 2. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, we, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you have been saved. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with him with Christ Jesus. 
So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God changes your story. How's God change your story? Now I can see, I've, I've been, this is, we're going into our third year of, of Awakened Church. We just completed two years earlier this month. We're heading into, the, we're now starting our third year. And I'm still describing how God's changed my story, right? He changes our story. The monster inside is insecure and says, you're a sinner and you're doomed. You're doomed to sin. You have to. That's what the monster inside says because you're human. You have to. There's nothing you can do about it. And God could never fully accept you because God doesn't fully accept sin. And that's, that's your insecurity speaking. It's not God speaking because God says, I love you and you're valued and you're forgiven and it has nothing to do with your performance. He says, I did it. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus came out of the grave. That's, all, that's what had to happen. And it's done. And verse 5 says, Even though we were dead because of our sins, God gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. It's only by God's grace you have been saved. How great the Father's love for you and for me. Make sure you don't miss God's love. Because he said, God saved you, verse 8, by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. You can't, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's a gift from God. And this can be so easy to miss because of our insecurities that tell us and lies to us. It says things that sound right. I'm a sinner. I sin every day. And here's he saying, I've given you forgiveness of that. You don't have, you're not doomed to that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be that. We're pursuing happiness and finding ourselves unsatisfied more than any generation before. We're, we're, we're pursuing happiness like every other generation, but all the studies are showing like no generation before just not finding it anymore. There's nothing that makes us truly happy. And when your story's all about you, you keep coming up empty. So that's the insecurity. That's why God changes the story. In our insecurity... We make sure the world sees the highlight reel. Moments when you feel like you're at your best, your best version in front of, your, uh, of yourselves and just put that out there. Because most of the time we feel like we mess up and we get down on ourselves and we think, I'm not good enough and, and why would anybody love me? And why would God love me? Especially and when you're not living secure in who you are, what are your coping mechanisms? I've got some. That's why I keep coming back to, I've got to trust in who Jesus is, not me. If you find yourself continually turning to unhealthy coping mechanisms, you'll never have a rich and satisfying life that Jesus offers. The key to, the, to being the best version of yourself isn't any of that. The key is being, uh, of being the best version of yourself is this identity that's rooted in Jesus. And we just miss that in our culture now. It's like, okay, we, the, we, we've, we've done, America's done the church thing and the Jesus thing. Let's, let's move on now. Let's try this other stuff that's not working it either. And I'll be trying the church thing and the Jesus thing. Quit trying to add Jesus or church to your life. You've got to come to this place where Jesus is life for, for you, for me. 
identity that's rooted in Jesus. Because God wants us to be secure in who we are. In verse 9, he says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. God's love and salvation is a gift. It's not a reward. This is God's plan. Jesus makes us secure in who we are because it doesn't depend on us. Every time I default to my security and who I am, as a person, as a daddy, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, as a son. Depends on me. I end up, man, I blew it again. Insecure in who I am. But when I depend on God, and I realize it doesn't depend on me, I stand more secure in who I am. Verse 10, he says, for we are God's masterpiece. This is, again, written in Greek originally. The, the Greek word here for masterpiece is poyama. Let me hear you say poyama. poyama. Now say poem. Poem, poem. That's where the word poem comes. This, this is the word, poyama. You are God's poem. You're a work of art by the hand of God. This is how he sees you. This is how he created you. You are his poem, created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He's like, you don't do good things because you can't earn salvation, but because you are God's poem, you get to do these good things he's planned for you because you're his masterpiece, because you have security in who you are in him. To be secure, more secure in who you are, think about yourself less and who you are in Christ more. Stop looking for people and circumstances to give you what only God can give you. Religion can't give it to you guys. That's, that's the point that that's, I, I look at this and I keep coming back to you. There's so many people that look at this and go all across our culture and go, well, what about what this singer is doing? Or what about what that pastor who committed suicide and all this? I'm like, religion doesn't do it. God does it. God provides the security. And only in, he, in, in him can he provide security in who you are in him. And he provides purpose for your life. And that's what we really, when we really are insecure, we feel like we don't have a purpose, right? That's what really insecurity is. What is my, what is my purpose? What, what do I matter? He gives us purpose. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You have purpose. So what are some next steps? A few next steps to think about. Three things specifically. But you know what? I'm sure that you can think and pray on your own and say, God, what next step would you have me to make here after, after kind of digging into Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 a little bit today and thinking about the monster in the mirror? Let's do this with our next steps. Let's kill the monster inside by doing the good things that God planned for us to do. So, first of all, first step would be do good. Do good. Remember, good deeds don't earn the salvation, but they are the result of understanding who Jesus is and who you are in Christ. What good can you do this week? What good thing or things can you do this week? The second step is, is basically just avoid sin. Avoid sin. Because Jesus and those who followed his way at first, when we read the scriptures of the New Testament, they say that God's will for you is to avoid obvious sin. And most sin is clear cut. Because there's a whole manual here that gives us what's, like it names some of these things. So we don't have to like, well, I wonder if murder is a sin. Or I wonder if, you know, there's, there's lots of things that we do in our culture and accept, but we don't have to wonder because it's right here. That's sin. But what about the gray areas? And I, just, I come back to this. If, if I'm not going to listen to God and what he says already, why well, would I expect him to clear up the gray areas for me? 
I mean, really, if, if I'm if I'm walking directly against what he's already said, why would I expect him to like show up and go? You know what? Let me help clear up this gray area because I made this other part black and white, and you keep walking away from me over here. There's no better way to show your love for yourself than to avoid sin. That's what that's what this is all about. Avoiding sin isn't about is about like you know making a checklist or anything. It's about loving yourself. There's no greater way to love yourself than to do that. And if there's a sin issue in your life, you, you, can, you can confess that to him. You don't have to tell me. Confess that to God and just walk away from it. That's called repentance when you turn and walk the other way. A third step, next step, is to make disciples. This is for anybody. If you're, if you're here and you've like believed in Jesus, who he is, and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a disciple of Jesus, um, he says to us, this is in Matthew 28, 19, to go and make disciples. It's a command. Like this is this is a next step for every person who comes to Jesus. It's not just pastors or teachers or preachers. It's everybody who comes to Christ. A Christian is someone who's following Jesus and invites others along the journey. That's what it means to do. Is there someone God has placed in your path that He might be leading you to share His love with? Maybe a next step would be to invite that person to awaken. Another way to look at this is God's purpose is for every human to be secure in who they are in Christ. It's to love others. That's do good. Love yourselves. That's really what happens when you avoid sin. And love God. That's what it, what, how it's revealed when we make disciples is our love for God. Lord, we, wanna, we want our love for you to be revealed in, in, in who we are. And we want, to, we want to learn to love ourselves, especially want to, we want to learn to love ourselves in a healthy way, the way you love us. And Lord, we really do want to love our neighbors, regardless of who they are. And we thank you, Lord, that we can, we can testify that, that Lord, we're, we're seeing that kind of thing happen in our lives. But Lord, we know that there's a community all around us where people who are hurting and grieving and lost and alone and people who are struggling and some are just broken. And Lord, we believe that this, this is not just a message to encourage us and cheer us up or to make us feel, feel good, but it's, it's a challenge to us to kind of step out a little bit and, and show that love to those folks, to our community, to, to give them a smile, to notice them, to, to look up from our phone and see the person in front of us. So Lord, help us with that. Give us those opportunities to show your love, to be your love right here in our community, on campus, in town, when we're shopping, when we're working, when we come to church, when we come to this place. Give us those opportunities, Lord, and make us aware. Make us fully present. And when we look in the mirror, Lord, my prayer is that we would all learn to see ourselves as you see us. Because you do not look at us with condemnation. You do not look at us with, with pity. But you look at us with love and acceptance. You look at us with forgiveness in your eyes and hope for the future. You see us as dearly loved. You see us as a poem, a masterpiece written by the hand of God. Lord, help us to see ourselves like that. Jesus, we thank you for your your sacrifice for us. It is only through the cross and the power of the resurrection that we can live this life. So we thank you for that. And if there's any of us here this morning, Lord, who, who have not 
begin to walk with you. Lord, I pray that today would be a day they just in their own way say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you starting now. And Lord, that would be, that would be amazing. Thank you that you've done that and you're doing that. For Paul who wrote this letter, for me, for so many of us, thank you for making us who we are in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.